What's up, everybody? Welcome to the I Get Buggets podcast. I'm your host, Simon Harricks, as always, and we are continuing to ramp up our pods, building towards the start of the NBA season. We're looking at all things fantasy. Um, we are in now the last two days of preseason basketball, and thank God, I'm very happy to kind of put the preseason in our rearview mirror and get into proper, meaningful NBA basketball and what will be the tip-off of not just the season, but our fantasy league and everything to do with I Get Buggers Fantasy. We know the drill now. We've only got a few more podcasts left. We are up to team who's picked sixth um, from the start and we're, we're going to preview everything to do with team um, Freddie Gonakillian you which I think is a, a pretty good name here. Um, he's put the two in, and I'm, I'm really excited to kind of uh, go through one by one on all the picks here from uh, round one to round 15, projections on how they're going to go and how um, my thoughts are as they're going to round out um, from the start of the seasons and, and how they're going to go. So um, it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Obviously, um, last season was a bit of a trip. If you last, if you listen to the the preview of um, doing this team uh, from the Loogies Boogies, aka Thunderstruck Loogie Man, aka Cousin Chris, um, everything I would have said about last year's team was um, gone by trade deadline because none of the players were still there. Um, but at least as we start now, all of these players are on the roster, um, and we'll see how we go with that. I think. Uh, it's always a fun one, and I've been told to, to not hold back, um, but that doesn't that's not going to phase in. Everything I kind of come in um, trying to be fair, and um, I will try to you know give hot takes when I can, but um, everything, again, is, is with a grain of salt. This is just some of the thoughts I would have. Um, quick thoughts, and as we see, you know, you can hold on to, to my opinion with very um little respect if you want to <laughs> um but it's it's all it's all good fun kind of heading into to basketball but i think uh with pick 6 this year um i think he's he's gone the probably the the real kind of safe right avenue with with Stephen Curry here as much as i did say I, um you know having any pick in the top 10 felt okay this year the more we've, we've spoken about it i do think that's that the real you know, break potentially between the top five and, you know, your six to 11. And that's kind of why I said, you know, it's not a bad year to get 10 or 11, or 10, I should say, because um, it's it was hard for me to break, you know, that six to 10. So you kind of just take whoever's fallen from you. Six, obviously, it's a little bit harder because you have, you know, an actual decision to make based on, you know, where I was kind of thinking of breaking down that if the top five goes to order, yeah, you really kind of put on the hot seat on who you think is, is, is the next one. And I think Steph Curry, out of the the five, you know, next ones that I had is is probably the safest option. You know, I had him potentially down um, on the back end of the first round, whether you wanted to go 9, 10, or, um, or even 11. Like, I, I didn't care. But, you know, and... We'll, I was, I'll go through and, you know, speak on, on the players that went, you know, seven and nine as we finished the pods. But um, I do think, you know, 
with with the hindsight, you know, Stephen Curry is is a fine kind of pick to go here. 33.4 average last year. Smoky MVP. The only thing that was kind of worrisome was the Warriors, um, you know, start to the season. But they did build to be, obviously, you know, a, a real still level kind of force in the in the West, you know, with them getting into the plane at least and not making finals. But, you know able to sort it out as, as much that, you know, they were really winning a lot of basketball games and turning it around from the start, which was a little bit of a train wreck. But what we did see is, you know, the one constant is, you know, Stephen Curry. And, you know, as, you know, the game has kind of evolved to try and catch up with him in terms of the way that they're shooting the three. Um, you know, he is still the standout. He's still doing everything that, you know, we saw with, you know, him being MVP in the league and, um, you know, the Golden State Warriors being such a dominant force. Um, you know, it, it's it's someone that, you know, barring the injury, um, you, you could kind of, you know, get on board with and um, I feel, you know, very happy with, with everything that's going on. He's 32 points, you know, average last year. I think he's quite healthy. Um, I, you know, I think you're going to see a few of those other players kind of come through, but... It's, it's nothing that's going to impede his production. Um, and I, I do think if you compare him to potentially your Carl Anthony Towns or your Westbrook or your Tatum, which is, you know, your next three picks, even your Durant, who we think, you know, potentially gets rested and, you know, has missed a lot of games, um, at least, you know, for a chunk of last season and, and injured before that, you know, he's probably a lot more reliable. Um, so I have no, I'm no queries with this. I think, you know, other players potentially have a, a higher ceiling, um, and you're, you're reliant on his scoring a lot, but we've seen that's not really a problem with Stephen Curry because he does it. It's such a, you know, a, a high volume, and I know Coach has probably come in with, with the expectation that the rule change a little bit does benefit a few guys, and Stephen Curry, who one who, you know, throws up a lot of attempts, is, is someone that's going to be not burdened as much by the change, and, you know, every time you can see him kind of shooting um, it's going to be green light stuff for you and you'd be hoping, you know, have, you know, 10, 12, 13 attempts of three per game. Let's push this right up. Let's go. Um, and I think they're kind of willing to, to really, you know, get behind and play that way with Steph Curry. So, you know, I think while 33.4 feels, you know, high for him to kind of reach again, um, we've, we've seen that kind of level of production that it, even if it does slip, I don't think it's going to be by too much. Um, so happy with with Steph Curry here. Um, I think the next one was probably the biggest shock of um, the draft in its infancy, as we went through um, with Fred Van Vliet getting picked at round or uh, pick fifteen in round two. So I think I can um, see the the thought process with Fred Van Vliet. Um, he's kind of come into his own. Of you know, I think it was maybe three years ago where he was a a really hot addition off um, the wave wire and free agency to, to come in and, and really be, you know, consistent. And then, you know, he really announced himself in the last, um, you know, series when Toronto had their championship run. And then he's kind of backed it up since then. Then it's not really um, a fluke that, you know, he's signed a contract that made him, you know, the highest paid undrafted player uh, at the time. And I potentially still, um, still is that kind of uh, record holder. Um, and, the pathway for him is, you know, Toronto, they might be, you know, better. They're going to be back at, um, you know, playing in a home court that, that matches, you know, Larry's not there. Again, the, the shooting, you know, changed a little bit. 
um, you know, the pathway for Fred Van Fleet to take another step forward, I think, you know, is very healthy. Um, I guess the thing is with him, I it's, it's hard to kind of, you really banking on a, a huge other leap just because of him walking into, um, I guess, the, the Lowry, absent, Lowry absence. But, I mean, you, you want him to kind of work around the usage because, you know, he played 36.6 minutes last year. So it's not like he's getting a, a huge amount of um, uh, minute uptake from that. And I think a lot of the, the players, you know, around them, whether it's OG Anunoby or even... Um, Gary Clark Jr., who projected to start, you know, um, at the start, that might change. Obviously, Gordon Dragic is coming in. If they, they're leaning in to him a little bit, I know there's buyouts or, or um, conjecture around whether Dragic is long-term. But, I mean, the, the thing is, you're saying, well, okay, the shots are getting away from Lowry. I think he's 19.6 points. Like, he's going to push that up next, next year. But you're banking on here, like, a real kind of push. Like, he's going from a 20-point scorer to you want him to get to your real 25 for him to be worth um, this high of a pick. Um, and I think it's a, it's it's like a really risky one. Like, I'm, I'm happy to be sold on, on the potential and everything that you want um, with Fred Vanford here. I just think um, it's hard to defend you going this early with him. Um, like, obviously, you know, my board's only a reflection of some of the thoughts where I had, but, you know, I had him at 40 on mine, so I had him, you know, a lot later that I thought you could get him, you know, in, in the subsequent rounds, and I'd be very interested to see if any other, you know, coach was even thinking about him at this point in time. I, I, I will always back coaches to identify players that they think are, are you know, worth investing in and, and getting them at the, the, the time, so I have no problem with, Someone saying, you know, Fred Van Vliet's going to be awesome this year and I'm going to pay the, the price for him. What I do think is that, you know, you could be, um, like there's a real art to fantasy to kind of understanding where you need to go for guys that you want. Um, and I might be wrong. that There might be other player or coaches out there that would have really wanted to buy into um, Fred Van Vliet. But I think that you, and especially with a team drafting at six, you have... Uh, a better kind of opportunity to when you see players identified that you want say, oh, well, I think I can get him in the next round. Um, obviously, you know, teams drafting one and 10, a lot of time they have to really have that long wait and get the players they want. But, you know, at six, you're only waiting really the 10 to, for it to come back here. Um, and I think you really could have got him in round three quite easily, I think. Um with your the next pick for this team was was 26 um and in that aspect like i think that um and we'll talk about nikola vucevic which is his his next pick at 26 but um you know i think if you were wanted to roll the dice you could have been smarter and said i can get steph curry and then either a lillard or a, a paul george or even a sabonis who were later in the second round and say i can get um Curry and Paul George and Fred Van Vliet rather than Curry, Fred Van Vliet and Vucevic if you wanted to to go, you know, in that direction in round two and then just bank on him falling a little bit more. Um, you know, this is, it's it's not a confirmed thing, but I like I would have rather kind of done the risk there and said, okay, let me bring in someone like Paul George in round two 
and Fred Van Vliet I'll be able to get um, as you go round three because you know I still really want him. I think he's going to be amazing, um, but I'm confident that round three is the highest he's going to go. Um, I just I'd like I, I think that's probably the way it, it would have panned out. Um, but I mean, in I'm happy with Vucevic. I just think you know Freddie Van Vliet. You know just um, it's it's quite high for me for for you to go in that early. But we'll see how it goes. Um, Vucevic, on the other hand, like, um, like this is the time for him for him to go. Uh, like, I'm I'm fine with him at round 26, or pick 26, I should say. Um, I had him at 22 uh, on my board, so I think he's right there to go. 31.7 average last year. I think we saw um, his value really not dip as he went to Chicago. Um, there is obviously, you know. The view on Vucevic has kind of changed in the last few years when he keeps outperforming his position to say, oh, we can't just, you know, let him slide as much because he's not, you know, talked in the same way as he's, you know, ultimate NBA elite superstars. Um, you know, he's almost your Sabonis light now in terms of, you know, that's the production you get, borderline all-star if he's on a winning team. Um, all these things kind of have the track record that I'm very happy that you know he could potentially push your twenty and ten guy once again. The downside, I think, now with Chicago is with Demar Rosen. Um, the, there is a little bit more kind of scoring that's kind of coming onto the team. I, I, I do think you know they're going to rely on him to do a lot more, but um, they're going to have to tinker with some of their lineups, whether it's Patty Williams or, or a few others, because I think defensively. Um, We'll see how Vucevic can be if we're, they're running, you know, Levine and DeMar Rosen around to, I don't think, make a lot of difference on the other end of the court. But I think it's 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 nice to have Lonzo Ball as a little bit of running man. I think the chemistry there could, you know, develop a little bit. And I think in the scope of this team as a whole from 1 to 15, I think Nikola Vucevic is a, a really good pick for this team at this point because it gives you... Um, a lot more reliable kind of fantasy output um, here. I think the three that go got after Randall, Gilgis Alexander, and Kyrie Irving. Um, obviously, one of those three <laughs> in a lot more um, uh, different scenarios. But I think together they're like you know they're a little bit more risky than someone just as bankable. And because this team, I think, has gone very much in the youth um, like lane. And, and risky kind of like scorers um, throughout that to get someone who's, you know, as bankable and rock solid as Vucevic really anchors um, the the ceiling, sorry, the, the floor of this team, you know, points-wise. And you know that regardless of what's going to happen, even yet, you know, he's going to get you like a 20-something each game potentially. And like I'm, I'd be very happy with that one. Um, moving forward to pick uh, 35 is LaMelo Ball. Um, yeah, all about this pick. I like it might be a little bit early. Um, despite some of the calls um, on our fantasy draft that why hasn't take Lamella Ball be taken? <laughs> He's there for people to be taken. Um, I think because it was like this is the 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 earliest I would have wanted to go for Lamella Ball was like a round four player. Um, I do. And because obviously, you know, I've been on record even last year taking him quite early. I'm all I'm all locked in on, on Lamella Ball as um, a kind of a fantasy darling going forward. Um, what he can do 
for for Charlotte. I think he's the definitely the, you know the one that you want to get from the Hornets. They can be fun. He's passing everything. Kind of really makes me feel you know going forward he's going to be this triple double darling. I love how he's his rebounding guard where just the little ones to pad your stats like um, I want to miss free throws like. Um, he's boxing. He's calling for those. He's they're mine. He's really aggressive um, because he want to gets the board and then he pushes it. Um, everything watching him, he, he shows his signs that he can accumulate stats really really quickly. Um, the the thing is, it's like okay, he needs to to be a little bit better with his scoring. Um, obviously, I've spoken about the three point shot. I think it's quite respectable when you look at the splits. You want him to shoot more. Um, he's finishing at the the rim. Like he's he looks a little bit scared through contact sometimes, but I think he as he gets smarter about doing it, um, he's going to get to the line a little bit more, um, and he's going to be able to finish um, better. I think he's twenty two point um, three average last year. He can really kind of push that up if he can get consistent. Like I think there's a lot of really positive things to say about um, Lamelo Ball here. I had him at forty one uh, on my board just only because I think. Some of the other players, like your Jalen Browns and your Michael Porter Juniors, that kind of went after um, a little bit more safe in their production. But I, overall, I don't have a problem um, with going with Lamelo Ball here. Like I do think it's a slight risk, but you have seen time and time again that this second year, you know, is really important for players that are really going, you know, push this like elite and become, you know not just good, but you're, you're like stars of the NBA that you really see it, um, you know, come together in the second year. I mean, he's already the best player on the Charlotte Hornets um, and the best fantasy player. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'd much rather, you know, him than Gordon Haywood, even though Gordon Haywood was the better average this last year. You know, those are going to flip. Lamella Ball, for, like, I don't think, you know, he, he'll be on the court, you know, all the games barring something. Um yeah, like it, it's it's a good pick. It's fine. I like it. Um, if you, I wouldn't have gone any earlier than this. Um, but if again, same with like Freddie Van Vliet. If you're happy to kind of um, hitch to to my ball um, and you want to pay the price, then 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 that's all good. Um, round five, we have pick forty six, and it's uh, Karis Levert. Um, obviously, it's. Um, a little bit of an issue now that he's, he's injured and we're not sure that when he's going to come back to the court. I, you know, we drafted this before news of, of Karras um, comes back without a timetable, which is, you know, quite frustrating. I think um, the upside of Karras Levert this year was that we we're finally going to see him um, with ball in hand, like a lot more um, able to, to see what he can kind of do as a, as a starter for Indiana um, I think they've they've got a, a nice game that he could, you know, kind of fill that Oladipo type role um, and really kind of push his scoring into career highs. I'm a little bit, you know, and we've seen, um, like he, he kind of really needs needs the ball. I don't I don't you know trust him to to be as impactful, um, you know, off ball in your traditional kind of two guard. A lot of his production, you know, comes when he's, you know playing almost the lead scorer with the bench mob. Um, his scoring can be erratic, but he's, he's really good at getting to the rim um, and getting fouled. Um, I think, again, the, the shooting down tick um, or, or scoring change would benefit him only because 
he's one of those players that can, you know, go through, you know, patches of, you know, five, six missed shots in a row. And when they're negative one, <laughs> when you're watching it, it can be really frustrating. But when, when it could all comes together, um, the upside's, you know, really obvious. I think, you know, without my kind of Brooklyn Nets um, rose-colored glasses on, I can see a lot of the downside um, to to Levert as a, a fantasy prospect if he doesn't, you know, get the, the keys almost to, to have the ball a lot. He's, he's shooting... Is um, goes in waves. Like he, his form's pretty good, but it almost feels like you know it's when he's coming off you know the dribble, turning the corner and pulling up that he feels more confident. And when he's catching and shooting, um, it's it's not really as as um, reliable, which is you know the the opposite of what um, your shooters <laughs> um, tend to be percentage wise. Um, but I think when he comes back. Um, he, you know, has a real chance to put up a, a fantasy career year and build off some of the the momentum he got before. Um, obviously, he had the the kind of tragic um, thing where they saw um, I can't remember what it was, but there was something you know the condition where he had to get shut down um, when he had the health screening. But um, he just can't stay on the court. I think it's a risk before he was injured. Um, in saying that, at pick forty six, I had him at pick. Um, 53 on my board um, and I think you kind of have to respect the the potential but again you know it's another one that it, it, it's slightly early and then when you like over the totality of the whole team um, in my view you know these players you're going early just a little bit and then um, obviously with injury it makes it quite hard to, to build a real kind of bankable um allotment of points with your, your elite players that you're putting on your list. But I do think he goes part of the way to kind of reestablish that with his next pick at um, 55 for Jared Allen. So I think it's it's um, a real kind of solid pick. I think I had him at, at 50 on my big board, average of 23.6 last year, I think's um, really, you know, transferable. Obviously, he got traded last year to Cleveland, but was able to kind of step in and, you know, Oopsurp, is that the right word? Um, uh, Andre Drummond, you know, who wasn't a part of their, their future, and Jared Allen obviously was, you know, signing a $100 million um, extension deal in the offseason. Um, I think, as, you know, we've spoken about on, on some of the, the front um, the front court, like, log jam that they've got with, you know, Kevin Love and um, now bringing in Mobley um, and... Uh, just a few of the things that they're going to do there with Larry Markman. Sorry, that was the other one I'm thinking of. Um, but, you know, Jared Allen's your traditional center um, outside of the other three. And, and, you know, he's going to play that, you know, big traditional center minutes. I think they have a lot of, you know, shooting interesting pieces around it and they're going to need him to kind of anchor the defense. The thing with Jared Allen is you're hoping that those rebounds come because, the thing is, I don't know how it's going to shake out in Cleveland. It's a little bit, um, you know, up in the air. And, you know, he was able to get his 10 rebounds last, um, you know, season. But I think, you know, the offense is, is always, you know, um, kind of balanced on, on the, the other players initiating. He's very much, um, you know, a, a tip um, a tip in, alley-oop, dunk kind of guy, passing in the pocket off drives. He has a little bit of a post game, but really it's not much. They tried to get him to shoot threes in Brooklyn, but it never happened. Um, 
like his offense is really uh, predicated on, on other people going. So I do think from night to night, if that's not there, you need the rebounds to be there. And if they're, they're really leaning into to Mobley, if Kevin loves, you know, even part of, you know, the walking corpse that he is now, um, you know, we know that loves, you know, a high volume rebounder and he wasn't really a part of their team when Jared Allen was there last year. Um, I'm not banking on, on Kevin Love at all, but, um, you know, there's a there's a pathway where his rebounds aren't as solid. Um, I would bank on Jared Allen and I'd bet on him to be good and I, I think this is the right time to, to, to take him. But um, that's just little question marks where, you know, the 23.6 last year I think was um, an overshot um, of what he's potentially going to get. And I think with the the change in the, the rules, as much as it benefits some of the other players, I think... Jared Allen did fall a little bit down the rankings when you factor that in because he doesn't really shoot that much um, and other players kind of passed him. But the defense is amazing. You know, you're going to get that block shots. He's not really going to um, hurt you um, negatively in fantasy. So I think the counting's all good and I'd be very happy to to, to add him here, um, especially as I think it's a... Well, it's the second center um, next to Vucevic. But yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's fine. Um, Draymond Green is an interesting one at uh, pick 66. I think he's there to be taken. Um, he's a bit of an, an enigma um, only because you'll have patches where he's, you know, really like amazing and, and gives you everything that you want. Um, he almost is like that low-key triple-double threat without scoring <laughs> if you get into steals and stuff. Um, but that that's a joke, but <laughs> it leads into what... He, like he averaged seven points last year, um, and it's it's a real problem. Um, he's you know obviously seven rebounds and close to nine assists and up to one point seven steals. Like all of the counting stats are, are elite, and you're gonna build um, you know a huge fantasy block night to night that's consistently based on Draymond Green just existing on the court, which I think is a real healthy thing to have. It's something that, again, in the same vein as Vucevic, is really relied upon. Um, But, I mean, it's going to get frustrating if he just literally can't score. Um, You know, he's another year older. Um, He's just... He's someone that is, is, I think, um, you have to factor all these things in just a little bit that he's, he's not as amazing as he's you know has been fantasy he's 21.3 last year potentially trends down uh once again um you with with the change in you know you kind of want players that are are shooting um and he kind of defers a lot so again you really you really need him to to do all the other stuff like he has been year after year for him to to be worth a pick here um i didn't pick 85 um, on my pick, so you know I did have him a couple of rounds later at least. So I do think at this stage in round seven, it's hard for him to outperform um, his draft position. But in in a similar way to Vucevic, based on a lot of the the risk um, outside of of some of these older players and, and the youth, that potentially it is a nice kind of counterbalance to what he's doing. Because um, going in straight into youth. Um, with his next pick at pick seventy five is Jalen Suggs. Um, I do I like I like I like the risk. I think um, placing uh, rookies is always hard, but when you want to project what the usage and the role is for you know the top five or six picked, Jalen Suggs is right on the top of the list of um, players that have a team that I think they're going to afford him the opportunity. You know from day dot. Um, 
I would be concerned about preseason. And as much as I think with rookies and preseasons, you can really push it to the side stat wise. But um, I think the issue is that he needs to be good off the bat for him to kind of stay worthy of owning early. I think, you know, there's a lot of scenarios where they've got Cole Anthony, they've got RJ Hampton, they've got Markel Fultz that, you know, I don't know when he's going to be back, but there's the more players they have, the more scenarios that if these guys start to, to look better, then they're going to demand a little bit minutes and you really need Suggs to pop and be at the top of the tier of all of these guys so that coach, you know, leans in and says, okay, you know, this is the way we go. Um, and he can be a good rookie of day dot. And all of these things I would have been very comfortable with uh, on draft night. So I really kind of get it. I had Jalen um, Jalen Suggs kind of around the mark with, um, I said Jalen Green as well. Um, and about when to take him. Jalen Suggs has gone, you know, two rounds earlier than Jalen Green. And, you know, with a little bit of hindsight, I'd be quite curious um, if... Um, Who's going to be better, I guess, fantasy-wise? Jalen Suggs, I'm really worried if there's a little bit of Killian Hayes to this, um, who, you know, had a lot of the hype, got kind of picked in our fantasy and was, um, you know, on the free free agency wire early. Obviously, injury had a lot to do with that, but when he was healthy, he just didn't look right. Um, I'm going to... I'm, I'd back him in. I'd Like, I think... Like, he was, you know, the top-tier rookie for, for to go first, but it's almost like... It'd be hard to, to be the one that does it. Um, I, I really hope that it's fine. And I like I, I, I think you can buy in massively with the scenarios in and the way they draft him and they're going to put faith in him. But there's, there's a few pathways here where it can really hurt you um, because you invested around eight. Um, and it might take a few weeks at least. And you kind of have to want to hold on to him a la your Anthony Edwards last year. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, yeah. We'll see how the first few weeks go. It's 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 a really um, toss up one here that might might burn you. Um, PJ Washington next pick at pick eighty six. Um, yeah, the more I've kind of you know you read stuff, I think this is a bet on him starting at the center, which there was a lot of conjecture and and talk about Washington going small. I think. Where it's going to land is probably that Washington and Mason Plumlee share the roles depending on the matchups and the teams that they play. Interestingly enough, Mason Plumlee goes two picks after this, um, a pick that um, on my team a little bit worried about as we go forward. Um, I th- I, like it's 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 fine if he does end up playing, um, you know, a lot of that kind of um, starting role or even get the starting minutes if he hits thirty minutes a game. I think I was down on him last year and he kind of proved me wrong. Um, I think if he can show a lot, you know, to build on his scoring, um, you know, push that from, you know, your 12 points a game, even up to your, your 14, 15, 16, um, he becomes a lot easier to own. Um, I think again, with the, the, the Charlotte ones are really hard, you know, it's obviously your second Charlotte player. So between this coach and myself, we have five (laughs) Charlotte players, um, yeah, I just it's going to be interesting to see who kind of wins out some of the um, the starting positions or or um, who's going to be forwarded some of the opportunity to show what they've got. And PJ Washington, I think you know he's a big part of it, um, but it's it's someone that I would like to have got a little bit later. Um, again, I'm trying to see where I had him on my board. It was probably quite late because I 
I haven't been a big fan. Um, I had him at 113, um, and I think there's there's real opportunity for him to, to build on his 18.9 average, um, but I just don't... It's nothing that's a guarantee. I think the addition of Mason Plumley, um, at least I'm hoping, even Cali Oubre Jr. coming into the fold to, to plug and play at least some of those minutes, even if they want to put him at a power forward next to, to Plumley. Um in some scenarios, I just think there's a lot of moving pieces at Charlotte and PJ Washington's, um, you know, third year leap is probably as not evident as, as much as, um, other, but, um, if he, if he kind of wins out some of that, um, role and Plumlee is really kind of deferred a little bit, um, I think he can, he can do quite well and it'd be all right. But again, is what I said, like he's six foot seven last time I checked. So I don't think, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that I think they're going to have problems with defensively if they want to to, to roll with him a little bit. His list is power forward, and I think that's where he, he probably plays his best, but we'll see. Um, next one next one I can really get behind. It's 95 to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think it's like a lot of the piss. It's, it's really risky, but I think it's a fair... Um, toss of the coin here to bring in someone who we've seen glimpses of when they've afforded the opportunity they really have that kind of fantasy darling upside of counting stats I think watching him can be really frustrating because his shot is super unreliable and he feels a little bit coach killer in terms of um some of the stuff they think they, they do when he's running point is like a little bit disjointed. It feels rushed. He just feels really raw. Um, I like you've seen times where he's given extended play because of injury or um, you know scenarios or whatever, and then he's been brought back on a bit of a short leash quite quickly because I think even though he has these games where he shows this fantasy potential, it's it's not the team aren't going that well. Um, I think he's very turnover prone, but in the scenario of, you know, he's moving into, you know, his third year, can we, you know, see a little bit more maturity out of him? The pathway, I think, for him to to start is, is evident. Um, you know, I've got him listed as a two guard, but we'll see what happens with Devontae Graham, who, you know, picked four picks before him here. I think it's a real chance to pop if things kind of tank a little bit in the Pelicans. Um, I do I, I do kind of like it. Again, I would have liked it as a, a later round pick. Um, I'm not sure how many people want to, you know, take a role at, at round 10. I had him on my board around that 140 to 145 mark, you know, in a bunch of players that I would have been really stoked to roll the dice on in the last two or three rounds. Um, so in that aspect, I think it's a little early. Um, again, it's when you mount risk after risk after risk that things can kind of come falling down. But if you want to go back to the risk it to get the biscuit mentality, if Suggs pops, if Nikhil Alexander-Walker pops, if um, Kyle Slavert comes back and he's, you know, the running mate almost to to Sabonis with some of the stuff. If Lamello has this huge, you know, all-star, you know, leap, that you, you you can really make a case that this team's one to to be really scared of. But 
Um, I'm just very glad we just got Vucevic <laughs> there to kind of anchor it because um, things things can might get a little bit dicey. But this is why you know the coach has shown that um, he's, he's active on the the free agency, and you know we'll see if you know trades come away. I would, I would think hopefully to um, <laughs> to take a little bit of more care in some of the trades, but. Um, yeah, no, it, it's good. I think uh, the next pick at, is Scotty Barnes at pick 106. So um, initially, I was a little bit um, down on this one. Um, and I, I don't want to take too much into to preseason, but, you know, he has looked good. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about with Nick Nurse kind of saying that they think he's going to be a big, you know, important part to to some of the stuff that they're going to do and that I think he's going to play, you know, minutes from day dot. But again, I just, I think, you know, Toronto have a lot of good, solid, like, pieces in terms of middling fantasy ones that you'd want to go for. And um, it makes me a little bit worried about, you know, how Scotty Barnes is going to carve out, you know, enough of a, um, a fantasy role. So, you know, I do think he can be interesting in your county stats with his, you know, his rebounding and his assists and his defense has looked, you know, quite good. That's, you know, been one of the hallmarks of him kind of coming through. Um, but they've got a lot of kind of shooters on the team. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, that, that slasher guy. Um, I don't know, you know, how his three point shot really is at all, or if it's going to translate. Um, I think, you know, there's a chance that he gets op- extra, you know, opportunity with, with Siakam injured. And if he plays well, you know, maybe he can go ahead of guys like, um, you know, Gary, Gary Clark Jr. and um, a few of the other kind of bench people that they have there. And he can really carve out a role. Um, but again, it, it's one of those players that I would have liked in the last couple of rounds. And then again, you taking him here um, makes it, that you really need need him to, to, to pop a little bit. Um, and again, he's a rookie, so it's 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 hard for us to 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 latch on to something um, that we feel comfortable about. Um, but I would be quite I would be, you know, quite positive about what we've seen in preseason. Um, and that there's a potential that he, he can really um, give you this kind of Patrick Williams counting stats vibes that we got last year. Um, and then if you can add some of the scoring to that, you never know. You never know. Um, Stephen Adams. I mean, I'm I'm kind of past Stephen Adams as a as a fantasy player, but I think that's the wrong take to get because you know he's shown um, time and time again, and even early last season that um, he's a he's a he's a player that you need to kind of have at least a little bit of stock in moving forward. Um, I think with him with Memphis is interesting. Um, he's been, I mean he's being picked here at 115, and I did have him 114 on my board. So, um, I think the average of 17.8 last year is is replicable. Um, I'd be really interested to see some of the stuff they do, but I think what we've seen is they brought him in to you know do a little bit of the grunt, um, rebounding, defensive kind of stuff and be more of that kind of traditional big to your Valentunas. And potentially, if you can really get that those rebound numbers um, of, you know, he had 8.9 last year, if you can hit that or even 10, and then chip in with the easy kind of scoring, that 
Um, it's a nice, it's a nice pick here. Um, yeah, I think. And again, looking at some of the other ones, you've got like risky young guards and and a couple of solid centers. Um, it probably balances out quite well. Um, so if you know he's kind of come with that mindset, um, I think it's, it's probably a bit of a smart play. Um, Joe Ingles is fine. I love Joey Buckets. Um, Joey Buckets is actually Joe Harris. I shouldn't say that, um, but I like Joey Ingles. Um, you know, he does all the things. You know, to be the runner-up or in the top three for the sixth man of the year last year. Um, he's just you know habitually that end of roster kind of guy that um, does enough to stay um, stay solid and you know be on your team. But he's he's not gonna. I don't. We're long past knowing, you know, the type of player that Jerry Ingles is. Um, you know, he's smart, can can really handle the ball if you kind of need. Um, got a bit of that slow-mo kind of stuff. Great, you know, three-point shooter. Um, handy with, you know, playing passing lanes. And, you know, he can do a little bit of the finishing as well with his, you know, his fakes and his tempos, but he's not going to blow you away. Um, so in that aspect, you know, he's fine, but I don't reckon he's going to, you know, outperform his, his draft position here. Uh, next one, 105 Killian Hayes. Sorry, 135 Killian Hayes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with this. A lot of these ones that he like, I could really buy in on the upside, want to take a risk, but um, I wouldn't risk it unless it's, you know, your last two rounds just in case it kind of turns badly is what I think about Killian Hayes. So really, um, it, it has, you know, all that kind of feeling of, if someone who had the hype last year and you know didn't um, didn't meet you know the benchmark, obviously got injured, was an absolute train wreck right off. That you know this year there's not much of the hype because you know Cade Cunningham's in. They've done little things um, that you know he might be able to carve a role and show us the glimpses of how everyone was excited last year. Um, if he can really fill into the traditional kind of point guard role um, and add some of the the shooting if he has it but you know the passing is is what we got excited about he's you know this tall point guard model um if he can stay healthy you know i like it as a, a last couple couple of rounds i had him on my board at 131 um very similar to a few of the other guys that i'd be happy to to roll the dice on late um i think the chances that he's um bad is probably more <laughs> than the chances they are as good but if he can be good um, I think it's it's it's, it's all right. Um, last pick, Isaac Okoro. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's your last pick. Um, the the concern is again with the Cleveland and some of the stuff they're doing. The you know, I think he's you know that glue guy that fits some of the the lineups that are going to roll out and have defense and um, but you know I think watching him. It might be frustrating, and a lot of the good things that he does isn't going to translate to fantasy. Um, if you can, you know, start scoring more than ten points a game, you know, that's a real good start. But I think that's far from um, a lock. And then he's going to have to do a lot of the stuff um, that maybe it doesn't really turn up on the box score. Um, so I think he, he might be a, a struggle to own. But uh, again, it's your last pick, so have to roll the dice. Um, I think overall. It's the same as, as as most years. I think it's really savvy. Coaches kind of, you know, identified players that are going to potentially take a leap 
and really key in and, and get the guys that he wants. And we've seen in the past that a lot of these risks um, have been able to pay off and it kind of um, makes them a real fun and um, dangerous team from week to week, to week because... I think a lot of the you know floor ceiling with these guys, the variance is, is quite high. Um, I think what stands out the most to me is like this is a young, young team, especially once you get past you know the first uh, six picks um, or seven picks. You've got you Lamelo in there, but there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of your fifteen are uh, either in their first, second, or third years. Um, of the top so you know you've got really raw young team that hasn't got a lot of history and Lamella Ball is the only one that I feel like super duper confident about um, The at least you've t- kind of rolled the dice late and known that I think the way you can kind of look at some of the fantasy teams to say okay well the last five picks for me are real shot in the dark throw the dart kind of picks so what I want is that if I'm not nailing them and they're just like, you know, end of kind of top 150 players, um, I can read the fantasy um, out, out, you know, outputs of basketball and watch it enough that I can replace middling kind of players and I feel confident in doing that. And what's going to make me ahead of the pack is that as soon as it hits like, you know, you're around eight, nine, is that I'm just going to throw haymakers and because... If one or two of them lands, that it really, you know, buoys my team that along with, you know, the solid top five of my guys, that it sets me up with this baseline that I can really play the, the free agency to fill the gaps and the holes. And I think it's set up to do that. Um, but yeah, you want Nikhil Alexander-Walker to pop um, and potentially PJ Washington to sit in the role. And then if any of those last ones, I think Scotty Barnes is, you know, a relatively good risk um, Suggs, I think, is a real worry, but we'll we'll see with that one. Um, then you can kind of rely on all of the things, and we'll see where Freddie Van Vliet um, finishes. But um, again, uh, really fun kind of team to look at, and one of the most interesting ones to to project. I want to watch <laughs> a lot of these players in the first couple of weeks just to kind of see where they sit, um, and then yeah, we'll see if the the trade machine gets ramped up into overgear, but um, yeah, <laughs> let's see how we go. Um, it's a pleasure. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. No punches, um, I think. No real haymakers thrown, but um, I haven't, you know, reserved too much of, of the thoughts either. So, um, hope you enjoy, and we'll keep ticking them off. Two more to go after this. And we've got NBA basketball. Happy Friday to everyone. Um, this one's a little bit earlier um, when I finally got the house to myself. But maybe the next one will be later and I can have a couple of bevies getting into the, the silly silly season for, for Friday nights, which is um, taking care of baby and, and trying to get a couple of beers in when I can. But um, what we're going to do, and I think what I've missed from you know when I used to type these uh, reviews out is you know identifying your best player, your worst player, who's the sleeper, who's a bit of the wild card. And when I've finally done all ten, I might just do a really quick, you know, twenty minute extra bonus pod that kind of goes through every team after preseason. Now letting everything kind of sit in my head a little bit, 
and just go rapid fire every 10 team on, on who I think your best pick was, your worst, um, and, and who's the real kind of wild card or sleeper players to, to have a look at. So I think that'd be really fun as well. Um, but thanks thanks to everyone to, for sticking with the, the pod so far, if you have, and I hope you get a kick out of it. And um, I'll talk to everyone soon. Cheers, fellas.